0: Is a running back who got faded into the second round, providing the best bang for your buck through three weeks in the FFPC. Why do the fantasy scouting rules seemingly not apply to one AFC South running back? And what AFC East player still might make a good flex option for you, despite a poor week four matchup? Plus, the FFPC main event week two, third place team owner Greg Link joins us to lobby for handcuffing for running backs in national tournaments, what to do with Daryl Henderson, and much more. We've got a great show for you. Farrell Elliott is here. Stick around. I'm Eric Balkman. Your high-stakes fantasy football hour starts right now the pressure. I've seen greater
1: men. Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now watching the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. Welcome to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by MyFFPC.com with your hosts Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for analysis from the best players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here are Eric Bultman and Farrell Elliott. Solace in the scripture, are we not
0: all our father's sons? I became a man nobody ever told me what Thank you, Rob. Greetings and salutations to all you bulkaholics and fereliacs. Welcome to the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. I'm your slightly above average host, Eric Balkman, and my co-host is indeed the definitive commissioner of fantasy football, Farrell Elliott. Coming up on tonight's show, we're going to converse about whether Greg Dortch needs to be in your week four lineup, and whether now's the time to trade Derrick Henry in your FFPC High Stakes Dynasty Fantasy Football Leagues, and then... The FFPC main event week two, third place team manager, Greg Link, is going to swing on in. He's going to talk about uh, his insight in the Saints receivers in London. Now that we found out that Michael Thomas is going to miss the game across the pond, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, whether it's time to start thinking about benching Brandon Cooks until the numbers improve and much more. If you want to connect with us on Twitter, you can do so. The show is at HSFFR. I am at Eric Balkman. And you can always learn more about Farrell's Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship at KFFSC.com dot com or on twitter at official kffsc you can post on our facebook page at facebook.com slash hsff you can also email the show at high stakes fantasy football at gmail.com if you have any questions for us uh or for greg link uh post them in the chat right now we're already getting a couple in there uh we've got some emails and we'll try to get to all the questions in the uh, chat room all the tweets all the emails in the fantasy feedback segment later on in the show thanks to uh our audio uh beg your pardon, our audio engineer and my best friend, Bryce, and our producer and mutual friend, Rob. In case you are listening to this, the OG way, which is totally fine. We encourage that type of behavior. Remember that for the last few months, we've been broadcasting the show live on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook as well. So if you want to catch the video stream, uh, it's awesome. We love hanging out with you guys uh, live, and it's been fantastic. It's one of my favorite things uh, to do uh, as far as fantasy football goes uh, each week. And one of the favorite uh, fantasy football things that you should be doing every week is playing the FFPC Playoff Challenge. No draft, no salary cap. Just choose 10 or 12 players in uh, uh, before Sunday's kickoff and watch them ride throughout the rest of the weekend's games. Remember, you can only pick one player te- uh, per team, $35 to enter, or you could get in on the $200 level as well. 30-team contests, 150-team contests, classic or slim formats, kickers and defenses, no kickers and defenses, whatever you want to do there. And, of course, this week we introduced the 10-team weekly challenges. For $200, you enter, and it's a winner-take-all format. Uh, Whoever wins gets a free entry into the 2023 FFPC main event, and then you can play for a $1 million next year. For free, just for winning one of these weekly challenges, got to beat out nine other people. It's that simple. Uh, So make sure you're checking that out. We added the import and export capability this past week. So if you want to craft your core lineup or whatever, you can do that and then just export it to however many entries you want to do in the contest. makes it a lot easier if you want to play multiple entries. A couple of things I want to point out. We had the uh, Rotovis High Stakes Lowdown last night with Frank LaPrade, the current leader in the Football Guys Players Championship. Check that that out uh, on our YouTube channel or wherever you get uh, your uh, podcast. And then, I don't know, roughly two hours ago, we just got done with the latest, a special bonus edition of the Rotoviz High Stakes Lowdown with uh, the 8th Place team owners. In the FFPC main event, Caleb Alcorn and Sean Isaacs were on with me then. Uh, That should be uploaded to Rotovis shortly, but you can always check out the uh, video channel. Uh, here on YouTube with the FFPC, and you can watch it as well. Speaking of the video channel, uh, remember to like, subscribe, comment, share, uh, share, and get notified. Hit that notification bell. We certainly appreciate that. Uh, The more uh, subscribers we get and the more people, the more interaction we get on there, the more it allows us to create more content, which is, I think, what everybody wants anyway, right? Content is king. At least that's what I've always been told. However, content is not king in fantasy football. There's only one king of fantasy football, and he happens to commission the Kentucky Fantasy Football Stadium. State Championship. His name is Jay Farrell Elliott, and he's coming in right now. Farrell, good Friday night to you, man. Hey, buddy, how are you? I can't complain. I'm excited to uh to go into week four. We got a a fairly exciting game last night with the Dolphins and Bengals. We get a London game this week. So get Uh your lineups in early prior to 9:30 Eastern Time Sunday morning. That's not just you, Farrell, but for everybody who's viewing. Um, and it's gonna be a, a, a huge weekend, you know. Uh, four four slots for games on Sunday. Plus uh the Monday night game. I'm a, I'm psyched, man. It's it's it, October's upon us. This is a great time to be alive.
1: It's a fantastic weekend, bulky I did I miss the Hollers intro. You did. Yeah, we I played. Was, it. I don't, I was upstairs watching Mac Holland's highlights and uh <laughs> I just, you know, I just couldn't tear myself away. But I am here now to discuss anything about football that you wish, my friend.
0: We have uh, all the, the questions are already piling up in the uh, YouTube chat, and um, we we'll want to get to those. Our good buddy Matthew Bingham, and of course the. Uh, um, How's Matthew doing? He's doing good. He's doing mm-hmm. very good. He's got a question about the Eagles. Uh, Eagles backfield, which we're going to get to when we bring Greg Link on. And uh, Hudson has a question about um, James Cook. From a dynasty perspective we'll ask greg about that as well before we get started with that i do want to talk about a, a few of the things going on now that we have a three week sample size under mm. our belt. Sparrow, we can you know one week's a fluke two weeks a trend three week is something that three weeks is something to pay attention to and we have three weeks of a sample size now for austin eckler now in the jaguars blowout say what you will about it justin herbert was hurting uh, certainly affected the whole team, but he only rushed for five yards in that blowout loss to the Jaguars. He did, however, get eight catches for 48 yards, uh, three catches for 20 yards in the final drive. When um, Brandon Staley kept the starters in there for whatever reason, three weeks in the books, Eckler's only averaging 27 rushing yards per game, but he's averaging seven catches a week, averaging seven catches a week. And obviously that's boosted his floor and you're, you're obviously not super disappointed if you have Eckler, but certainly you were expecting more. He gets the Texans this week. What's been your early submission on Austin Eckler's performance and how sustainable it is going forward? Mm.
1: Um, yeah, that, there's got to be some changes. And the man, um, uh, the the man in the, uh, in the coaching staff there to do it is Lombardi. He needs to do, Exactly what he did down at New Orleans with uh, Alvin Kamara. That's put more big bodies on the offensive line. If you there, there's no one that could gain any yards with this offensive line play. Uh, now Slater is lost for the season, or at least a good long time, right. uh, with a torn bicep, and he did not play well before he was lost. Uh, the team answered with Storm Norton. God bless Storm Norton. He's been released eight times in the league. Good college offensive tackle from Toledo. Minnesota waived him three times in one year, and uh, they were trying. They were they, they had that player on the field last week. Uh, Jamari S- uh, uh, Salyer comes from Georgia, sixth round draft pick, projected by most NFL scouts to be an interior offensive lineman and have a good career as a backup. He'll be starting for the team at left tackle, so they're going to have to get more on the field because. You know th- these guys were not engaging in the blocks. Uh, they, they were they were slow to they were slow to engage, and many times they did not look like they were willing to block. So, what's going to have to happen is more bodies uh, to control the defensive line of the opponents. Where some openings, there might be some gap for any running back, uh, especially Austin Eckler to to run. Now, what? What's going to benefit here is is Herbert's health. Uh, that's going to be a benefit because they're going to have to keep him upright. They're, they're not going to be able to ask him to do all the things that they were asking him to do, which was everything. If you recall, Balky, um, they ran three pass plays from the one-yard line earlier in the year. If you recall the 99-yard touchdown, was that against the Chiefs where he threw the pick six um, it's all, a blur. it's all a blur right now. No, yes. but they, they don't get in the red zone often. And then when they do, um, Austin hasn't been on the field for some of it, but they're not, they're not running the ball when they get in the red zone. All that is likely to change this weekend. Um, so Austin Eckler owners uh, have reason to hope that a new change of philosophy, uh, Will take place, and and I think we'll see it because if they try to run out and man up uh, with the offensive linemen that we're talking about here, uh, they're not going to feel they're not going to seal off the defenders. They're not going to create the gaps, and we're going to see more uh, disappointment in this rushing game, which will lead to more Charger defeats. And they needed to be defeated badly because what they're doing
0: is not working yeah speaking of that rushing game, which by the way the uh the chargers are five and a half point favorites in Houston this week uh total on that game is at forty five uh We'll kick it off with uh matthew bingham's question first question here tonight. He wants to know if Joshua Kelly or Sony Michelle if one of them is going to pull away as they clear back up to Austin Eckler uh, so far he's been incredibly frustrated with it he has no idea what's going to happen if the Chargers uh, do sustain an injury to Austin Eckler and I, I gotta be honest with you I've been asking my question uh, this question myself over the first uh, few weeks of the season I don't know what they're going to do I thought the signing of Sonny Michelle sort of cemented him in as the backup that they would bring him in but he's underwhelmed and I believe he's lost at least one fumble as well Farrell can you shed any insight on this if, if you're going to roster a Chargers backup running back who should it be
1: the front office and the coaches like Kelly and, and Josh has played well. Matter of fact, when some of those gaps were, when all of those things we just talked about were happening, Josh Kelly did a good job getting outside and getting in space, which is what Eckler has to do. Uh, but you can't exclusively do that. So I, so I like Kelly to be a back. Uh, Michelle is especially back uh, down around the goal line. And when the, the one time that they did run it, uh, to, uh, in, in one game, Michelle was was on the field. Austin Eckler wasn't, and I think they were just trying to get a so, uh, hefty running back to try to run and move a um, and move a uh, defensive lineman. But we, we got to Austin Eckler's hard to tackle. He's stout. He makes great catches. He has great contact ballast. Neither of the other backs have that. Uh, but Kelly is getting close to to being in position to realize his skill set in the league. So if I'm going to roster one, it's going to be Kelly, Josh Kelly. Interesting.
0: I got to make some roster moves in Kentucky now. <laughs> there you go. Uh, I pick him up, um, Farrell. If I was to ask you right now, three weeks done with the season, who do you think in FFPC scoring and KFFSC scoring, who is the number one running back by fantasy mm-hmm. points, uh, total fantasy points, right now?
1: Oh, my goodness. I don't
0: even know. Um, I would guess it would be James Robinson. You're close with James Robinson. He's number three. Oh. Nick Chubb, surprisingly, is number two. Ooh. Number one is a former guy, a, fo- a former number one overall pick, or at least number two overall pick, not that many years removed. And it's a dude who rushed 14 times for 81 yards and a touchdown Monday night against the Dallas Cowboys. It is Penn State's own Saquon <laughs> Barkley, your number one fantasy running back. Through three weeks of play, he also caught four for forty-five in that game. Um, he had a thirty-six-yard touchdown run in the third quarter that gave the Giants a, a touchdown lead, uh, breaking multiple tackles on that, by the way. And he was bottled up for only thirty-nine yards. Obviously, that big run contributed to it, which you can say that about a lot of running backs. Big runs do contribute to your uh, output. Uh, he gets a great matchup again in Week Four against the Chicago Bears. Who, you know, say what you will about the Bears, but they're two and one this year. Um, you look at Saquon Barkley, all these owners that picked him up, uh, in the mid second round where people were letting him slide for a while. Obviously, I, I would say in like late July, early August, he, he ticked up to about the late first round, but then he slipped again. You got to be loving life if you're a Saquon Barkley owner right now. Is this likely to continue the output we're seeing? Because the Giants offense isn't lighting it up, but Saquon Barkley is,
1: and they won't light it up, and they will because they're offensive, offensively deficient at a lot of positions, and they just lost. A Sterling Shepard everyone knows so what you've got is Barkley and you've got a coach that is consistently giving him the ball feeding him the ball and that's why he he was stymied for a while and then he broke one loose and that's exactly what he's going to do the situation on the field is is paying great dividends uh for the drafters of Barkley and uh, the athleticism and the health of Barkley is is going to uh see him through despite what the Giants do uh, as a team, uh, hopefully, when uh, uh, Wandale Robinson comes back and contributes as a rookie, when Kadarius Tony might uh, not be missing in action and be on the field, he can get some support, get some help. Uh, but they're gonna they're gonna stack the box against Barkley. But Barkley is in a situation where he can um, use his athletic skills to beat some of the defenders to him. And he doesn't seem to wear down much. In the fourth quarter, his motor is as strong as it was at the start of the game. He's a fantastic and, and, and uh, player to watch, and I, I, I love it when he's on the field.
0: Yeah, one of the uh, more exciting players to, uh, to be starting this week, uh, especially in the FFPC Weekly Challenge. Uh, I don't know if anybody – maybe maybe Jonathan Taylor against the Titans would be a better guy to, to roster, but, but Barkley is right up there uh, as well. Now, you just mentioned James Robinson. Um, mm-hmm. He actually, like I said, running back number three on the season this past week, 100 yards rushing and a touchdown. He also caught three balls for 16 yards, 50 yard rushing touchdown uh, on fourth and one from from midfield. And he actually was starting over Travis Etienne, the number one draft pick for the Jaguars uh, just a couple of years ago. Um, etn had 13 carries for 45 yards obviously robinson more than doubled them up it looks like he has the the better part of this committee that you want you wanted to be in business with james robinson in the summer you're loving that because business is booming right now with james (laughs) robinson and i said and Farrell, i I beg your pardon if i said this last week I'll, i'll just make it quick this is a dude who was an undrafted free agent rookie out of illinois state played on a terrible football team was a top five uh fantasy running back that year tears his Achilles late last season, comes back not only this season, but back for week one, and he supplanted Travis Etienne. I am done trying to predict what's going to happen with James Robinson because he's completely unpredictable. Like I said at the top of the show, the rules don't apply to him, and this guy is crushing it right now. Sky's the limit, and whatever he does the rest of the season, it's impossible for him to surprise me anymore. just impossible. You're
1: exactly right, Balky, and he's a player that loves every aspect of football. They cannot get this guy out of the locker room. Um, out of film study. He's he's very much engaged. He's loved by his teammates. And he's worked hard to recover from that injury and co- recovered. You know, everyone's injury situation is different, but he recovered quicker than anyone thought he would. Now, in, on this show and throughout the summer, we told everyone about the history of James Robinson, reminded everyone about the history of James Robinson. And we said, this year's James Robinson is James Robinson. But we could not move the needle for him, Balky. Uh, and I, And I drafted him everywhere I could and, and and couldn't be more pleased to have him on the roster. Um, i uh, I think that he will continue to have the success that he has had. And so far he's the only running back in the National Football League that scored a touchdown in each a rushing touchdown in each of the first three games.
0: Feel like we said that about him uh, last year at some point too. It's just it's mm-hmm. it's crazy what he's been able to do. It's absolutely fantastic. We're obviously rooting for him um, for for sure. I mean Matthew Bingham just chiming in. He's such an easy guy to root for, and it's true yeah. he is an easy guy to root for. We love it uh, for sure. Um, we do have Greg Link, another guy. That's easy to root for the super bracket runner up in 2017, the third place team in the FFPC main event after week two. We have him coming up shortly before we get to him. I do want to bring up, of course, this is a Farrell Elliott co-hosted show. So we have to bring up a Raider it's oh, sure. the contract. It's part of the gig. I'm sorry, but we're going to do it. Josh Jacobs. Sorry. We, I know you love it. I know you love it. Understand that's, that. no, that's no question. You love well, it. Well, um, Raiders dropped one to Tennessee this past week. Josh oh. Jacobs, 13 carries 66 yards. But the shocking thing, what was more surprising – let's bring this up there. What was more surprising, Derrick Henry catching five balls for 58 yards last week or Josh Jacobs catching five balls for 31 yards? Two guys historically have not been utilized in the passing game by their respective teams. And Jacobs and Henry defying all odds, catching all these balls last week. What, what's sort of your take on Josh Jacobs three weeks in?
1: Those are alternative football facts, and at the end of the year, those numbers won't count because it's every fantasy player will tell you that neither of those running backs can catch. And it's fascinating to watch Henry. Once he catches the ball, that train starts moving. Just get him in a little space. Talk about Austin Eckler in space. And yeah, Jacobs uh, had a good catching year last year that we pointed out consistently. I, I think the number was 47 or maybe it was 50, but it was, it was a good number last year. It'll be a good number this year. He is uh Something's got to give this weekend. Uh, the Raiders have been a 50% team in the red zone, despite how awful it looked uh, uh, in Tennessee uh, when they were trying to take, make a touchdown and then make a two point conversion. Uh, Denver has been very stingy in the red zone. Uh, the, the Raiders on the defensive side of the ball need to wake up to keep any of these players in games where you can possibly have uh, uh, Josh Jacobs on a winning uh, on a winning Sunday, uh, solved away a game in the fourth quarter. so if the, if the Raiders get right, uh, Jacobs may be more of, a, of an impressive fantasy player as we move forward. And congratulations to the guys that that drafted him in the mm-hmm. sixth and seventh round live at the main event as he continued to fall. I don't believe Josh Jacobs is a league winner as a number one or two quarterback, but I'll be damned if he's your third running back and continues to stay on this pace of 1,200 yards. And, it, you know, be honest, in the first two games, Balky, he didn't catch anything, but he did against Tennessee. Uh, I like it. And there's a lot of players out uh, for the Raiders this weekend, so you can expect the, that pass catching um, to continue.
0: Uh, he is my number three running back. Or I drafted him as my third running back in several Good job. Yeah, well, thank you. But before you give me uh, kudos – uh, he is uh, outperforming the top two running backs that I drafted on those leagues. So he. Who are they? Back. Is my def- I don't know. It's like Antonio Gibson and Clyde Edwards-Alaire, you know, something like that. And we'll get we get, actually, if you want it, you want my hot take on Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Not going to give it up on, on this podcast. I'm going to tell you, go back and watch RotoViz High Stakes slowdown mm-hmm. from about two hours ago with Caleb Alcorn and Sean Isaacs, and we talked about Clyde Edwards-Alaire uh, I to death on that.
1: And I'm glad we've got Greg Link here because man, it's it's like we're sweeping up for RotoViz. <laughs> you know, that's that's kind of what goes on here. So the Greg Link will take us to the top.
0: Well, let's bring him in right now, ladies and gentlemen. Without further ado, he is a two-decade-plus veteran of fantasy football, launching the high-stakes portion of his career roughly about 10 years ago since then he's become a main event champion not only in the ffpc but the nffc the ffwc including being the runner-up in the ffpc super bracket tournament back in 2017 you may not recognize the name greg link but you do recognize the name legion of doom which he uses for a lot of his high stakes team we know him as the week two third place team owner in the ffpc main event please welcome onto the program mr greg link greg what's up man thanks for doing the show tonight
2: no problem. Thanks a lot, gentlemen, for having me.
0: We're, we're excited to have you. This is this is awesome. Uh, we got a question from Dave Gerzak, Dave the Dizzle Gerzak, co-founder of the FFPC. With a name like Greg Link, he wants to know what your golf handicap is.
2: <laughs> it used to be a lot better than it is, but fantasy football takes up too much time now. <laughs> well, listen,
0: I, I am not a golfer. I am a fantasy footballer for sure. So I totally would, uh, would, would uh, be with you on that. We are of one mind when it comes to golf v fantasy football speaking of fantasy football greg when you're not crushing the ffpc main event almost winning the super bracket uh, tournament winning all these high stakes main event leagues what are you doing for a living to pass
2: your time uh so i work uh with the marine corps and the air force to help keep them energy resilient so it's a lot of data and it's a lot of getting dirty so fantasy football is kind of like a, an easy thing for me in that aspect
0: i think that uh well,
2: I, would all, like to,
1: I would like to expand on getting dirty. I That's okay. what I was just saying. I, I really love it. I, I really love what we're
2: doing. Sure. So, so football's changed, as you know, with analytics, right? And I think fantasy football is the same way now. The statistics that we use is more simple than just your gut now. There's a lot more stuff to, to take in when you make lineup decisions, when you make drafting choices. It's just not as simple as, oh, I like this guy. I don't like this guy. You kind of have a lot of reasons why. Like as an
1: as an analytics guy, and it's become common across fantasy football and hearing from the better fantasy football players, like Greg Link, uh, the commentary has been, "Do not handcuff." I don't like handcuffs. If you're going to handcuff, get somebody else's handcuff. Don't <laughs> waste a draft pick on a handcuff. You have Montgomery. And you have Herbert in the same backfield, and I congratulate you on that choice, because Khalil Herbert looks like a man who knows how to run the football. Is this was this incidental to your draft? Was this something you planned? What your your role on handcuffs? Break it down for us, Mister Link. Sure. So
2: the way I kind of look at handcuffs are, could the handcuff be a running back in his own right? Mm-hmm. Regardless of who's ahead of him so if for example you're looking at Derrick Henry and you look at his backup which is be Hilliard it you don't think twice about that you, you might grab him late it's just but it's not going to be a worthy handcuff but the training camp reports on Herbert they basically had said the way the Bears wanted to run their offense that they didn't they didn't know if Montgomery was the man now I'm starting to figure out that the way the Bears are running their offense is basically <laughs> throw the ball um, but Herbert, you know, fit their offense a lot better. So I kind of kept that in mind when I was, you know, drafting Montgomery, I kind of knew that he's kind of an up and down player. And I thought, you know, Herbert could be one of those, you know, kind of 1A running backs. And so it was important to me to grab him, um, versus some of the other, you know, running back handcuffs.
0: Very good. It comes down to it, Greg with, and I think you'd agree with me, you gotta have the talent And, and if you're presented the opportunity, you can't be the type of guy that's going to be lumped into a a timeshare there. And I I think Herbert hit checks, both those boxes, obviously on that, which makes a lot of sense. And it looks like anybody who um, followed your advice or followed your line of thought on that is going to reap the benefits in week four against that giants defense. Um, Devontae Parker. It's so funny. We had Jamie Cox who was, on this program last week, second place overall in the um, uh, Football Guys Players Championship. We talked about Devontae Parker. He still rostered him in a few leagues, but uh, he and I both, and Farrell, I, I, I'm terribly sorry. I don't remember if we had your take on this or not, but we both kind of resigned on the fact like, yeah, maybe it's time to cut Parker loose. And then, of course, five catches, 156 yards, Louisville royalty, Devontae Parker goes off in, in week three, and now it's looking like maybe he's the guy to look at again. But Mac Jones, I think, finally got ruled out this past week as New England was playing some some mind games um, and gamesmanship with the Packers in the media this past week. Um, but Parker uh, had the big week. What about Nelson Aguilar? Because this is a guy who is a, a big waiver wire pickup a couple weeks into the season. Is he's is he still keep uh, worth keeping around now that you have a target monster in Jacoby Myers on this offense and apparently Devontae Parker back from the dead as well.
2: So I, the way I look at it is, is that I watched the way Parker played last week. It wasn't just his stats. It was he was making the catches you knew he could make. And he's starting to become, again, that player. Now, the problem with with Matt going down is, is that now you got Brian Hoyer in there. And you have to think to yourself, how's that offense going to look? I would not drop Aguilar because you have no idea who Hoyer is going to be looking for. You know, I mean, for all we know, Hunter Henry could start blowing up now because – Hoyer's going to use him as a blanket, right? And this might, you know, go into Ramonde Stevenson as well. I mean, you've got somebody who can really be a good safety blanket for Hoyer. Uh, so I, I I, think Parker's starting to come around, but I wouldn't trash Aguilar just yet.
1: Yeah, Aguilar has uh, caught, caught footballs and surprised us for many quarterbacks. He's made a lot of quarterbacks look a little better than they were over the years. You know, uh, uh, just staying with that question on Parker, Balky, I was very, very down on Parker, uh, in the conversation, and okay. perhaps that was misleading somewhat because, as you recall, I mentioned that I was playing Jamie Cox head-to-head in the uh, FFPC main event, I remember
0: and, and now, I did
1: yeah. eke out a win, and uh, Parker remained on Jamie's bench. So I believe that my position on Parker may have uh, been just exactly what i needed
0: i love it the feral Art, uh, the yeah, Farrell yeah, elliott was, karma yeah. coming back to
1: are you know i'm not a poker player but my dad was and i learned a couple things along the way i learned something I ought to do it with the new england running back let's put him in the starting lineup and he was in one of my main event teams this past week and i think i'm going to leave him up there since uh you know they're making the trip to green bay and they, they've had a hard time to uh Tackling running backs with the exception of Fournette. Ramon Ray Stevenson is becoming the running back that we thought he would be. Uh, your take, Mr. Greg Link, on Ramon Ray Stevenson.
2: Sure. So I, I you know, I think, as we all know, in fantasy football, it's about getting to somebody a year before they become big. Yeah. knows who they are, right? So last year I thought, this is it. This kid's going to break out, and it just never quite happened. And I think now, maybe just because of the way they're using them, uh, but he's starting to look like the guy that we thought he could be. Uh, I think Harris, you know, gets hurt every once in a while. That'll help. Um, but, yeah, I think in this offense, they need someone to kind of be that pass-catching role as well. So I'm hoping that Stevenson's going to get a lot more PPR points than just, you know, rush.
0: I, I'm with you on, uh, on, uh, on Stevenson. I, I think we're starting to see um, a page being turned there um as far as his uh role in that offense goes and we'll definitely be following it over the next couple weeks i don't know how much we can glean from it this week and you know i don't want to jinx my green bay packers here but i i, I think the, the new england offense is really in for a hurting this week and whatever happens i don't know how much we can glean from it but we will watch we will follow greg link our guest tonight on the high stakes fantasy football over the week two third place team owner in the ffpc main event naheem Hines. Got a lot of love in drafting season after Frank Reich said, yeah, if I played fantasy football, I'd draft nah- Naheem Hines. Maybe we found out is Frank Reich is not that good of a fantasy football player. <laughs> certainly, So far, he has not had a signature game yet. Neither Hines nor Reich has had a signature game in 2022. Oh, maybe Reich last week with the victory over the yeah. Kansas City Chiefs. But no, I mean, best ball, it's easy with Naheem Hines, right? Um, he, he, he plays when he does great. If he doesn't do great, he's on your bench. From a redraft perspective, main event, football guys, whatever, Greg, how do you know when when to deploy
2: a guy like Naheem Hines? I mean, it, it, Hines is one of those ones where he's not just a handcuff; he's also just someone to be a great, a great pass-catching running back. The funny thing I've noticed with the Colts this season—obviously, I mean, you, you can't count on them—but uh, the second thing is is that you know a lot of times I might use a guy like Hines in a game script theory. Right? You 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 think about a team like Jacksonville, and you feel like they're going to be the Colts will be beating them pretty badly. They're going to run the clock. They're going to you know, kind of do dump offs here and there. And it didn't work out that way. Jacksonville, Houston took it to him. And all of a sudden, Ryan's starting to throw down the field. Well, then the chiefs come to town. You're thinking, oh, he's going to have to throw now. Chiefs will be killing him. Sure enough, Colts get a lead. They start running the ball. And so it's tough to get a good feeling for how Hines is going to be. His stats have been decent, four or five catches a game, 20 yards, 17 yards, nothing major. His rushing. He gets about three attempts a game. So in terms of when I'm going to use them, I'm still going to have to go with that game script theory, pick a game where I feel like, you know what, maybe I've got an injury. I need to bring him from the bench. Uh, this week would be a perfect example. I'm losing players left and right on my team. Um, and so I think I might pick one of those games where I feel like the Colts will be in charge and they'll need to kind of rely on Hines late in the game.
1: The Colts may be in charge when they play Houston again, if they re-sign T.Y. Hilton to get him, but that's a whole nother story. <laughs> uh, the... the um Okay, here's another running back, and I'm intrigued, and, and I really enjoyed your answer about Montgomery and Herbert. Uh, Balky knows that my favorite running back in the uh, in the Rams backfield is, is Daryl Henderson. Um, in week one, Daryl Henderson got the opportunities and played very very well. The, the, uh, I don't expect Daryl Henderson to get opportunities. Uh, Enough opportunities when Cam Akers is up and, and doing well. Uh, but Daryl Henderson keeps a spot on my bench as we wait for that day on a very good team. Have you done anything with with these uh, running backs? Do you share my appreciation of Henderson? And uh, it's interesting because it was kind of the similar spread between Henderson and Akers, at least early, uh, as it was between uh, Montgomery and Herbert.
2: So, first, got to get inside Sean McVay's head.
1: No, no, I don't want to beat Very,
2: very difficult to do. No, no. In the first game against Buffalo, we thought, Cam Akers, he's going to be one of those sleeper running backs again. You know, he's a little injured. He came off the injury. And then Henderson came out and, you know, and I drafted the second weekend right after the first game. And, boy, Akers dropped big time. Yeah. And took Henderson-Morris is to have that RB4, RB5, with the hopes that he could take that job and, you know, maybe get me – And then I watched the second game and the third game, and you saw the start to dip. I just have one of those man crushes on Henderson. I think he's running back than Cam Akers. And I think that uh, eventually he will start to get more carries. I just think it needs to be, again, McVay has got to just figure it out that that first game Akers didn't run tough at all. He looked weak to me. And Henderson runs with power. He runs with speed. He runs with gusto, and I like that about him. So I'm keeping him on him the whole season. I mean, he'll come around.
0: Like um, a, a guy who we thought was coming around, Greg, that is going to miss his game across uh, the pond for the New Orleans Saints is Michael Thomas. No. And I, I, he was a guy I had one. I had a couple of FOMO picks on him. I wasn't on Michael Thomas this year, but then I was like, God, what if I'm wrong? So I picked him in a couple of spots. Uh, I am not playing him this week, and no one should. And by the way, make sure you get him out of your lineups before 9.30 Eastern time on Sunday for that early kickoff in New London. between New London. I'm thinking Wisconsin here. In London, England, um, before uh, before they kick off, that's the Saints and the Vikings. But when Thomas is healthy, given what he's shown so far, um, is he an automatic start? Is he a guy that you got to get in there as a top 20 receiver every week? Um, he's been scoring touchdowns. He's been getting targets. He's been making catches. Chris Olave, I know, has had a couple of good games as well. But is Michael Thomas back to being a healthy automatic start for you? So
2: my my opinion on Thomas is a little different than yours to start the drafting season. I have him on a lot of my leagues because I could get him, you know, pretty cheap. Yeah. Uh, my issue with Thomas, I mean, he has the injury issue, of course, as you as you know. But my issue was was not starting him. I had no problem starting him. It's is Ken Winston be the quarterback that we need him to be. I think Thomas can get back to that 2018, 2019 level if if Winston can get right. And I feel like, unfortunately, right now, he's just not there. It's been a lot of garbage time for Thomas, thankfully. Uh, but yes, he, he is, for me, a must-start in a flex position only. And uh, I do think that once he gets the toe and all the other issues he has figured out, and Winston can get back on a roll, and they can get that running game going to kind of balance offense, I think Thomas will get back to his uh, his level. But I do think Olave really can help that because he is becoming such a good threat that that can open yeah. up to not be, you know, taken down by a Lattimore and just shadow the entire excuse me, yeah, excuse me, not shadow, not, sorry, I meant to say Okuda and guys like that that can shut them down. Someone like Thomas can get open now because you have Olave and in Jarvis Landry, for example to, you know, to kind of spread it out is is gentleman is Winston
1: up this weekend or do we not know? Is it doubtful? No, What's the story? He, yeah, he's he's pretty much out. So the red rifle, you know, the number two guy in England always has red hair. So I mean, that's a good situation. Yeah. So it's uh, hey, so you start Alave with the red rifle there at quarterback,
2: man. If you have paying. if you have a better option, I would not start him because no. I Andy's got the arm anymore. I don't think they're going to score. Okay. Um, I really don't. I think right. it's going to have to be the defense has to step up, maybe pick Kirk off once or twice, set up good field position, and maybe they can punch it in from 20, 30 yards out. But I can't see them just matriculating the ball down the field like they like they normally can. So, I mean, if you have no other options, then olave has got to go in there, but I would be hesitant to start him this week. I think... Okay. I think go, I'm sorry, Buck. Yeah,
0: I, I would just to kind of echo what Greg's saying there. I think when you see Michael Thomas out this week, um, to me it's like, oh my god, I got to get Olave in there. Look what he did last week, and and look what he did the week before. And, and I think it's sort of a trap because that was Jameis Winston who throws the ball down the field about as much as you and I take breaths and drinks of water, right? Andy Dalton, is that is not his game. Um, this could be a big-time Alvin Kamara game who's still looking for his signature game of the 2022 season. Uh, this could be uh, maybe a Juwan Johnson game. That's a possibility. Or maybe, and I know he's banged up but this could be a Jarvis Landry game too. So if I'm betting uh, on, on any one of those guys, I'd have to see the odds, obviously, but I'm, I'm a little bit bearish on Chris Olave uh, even with the opportunity this week. I think I'm, I'm with Greg on that. Go ahead, Farrell. I'm sorry.
1: Well, you know, you've got such a great, uh, you've got such a great knowledge and, and expansive knowledge about players that, that we're all grappling with putting in lineups that, you know, I, I I hate to go to a historical question uh, as, it, as it relates to your history in the FFPC. So before I do, I'm going to ask you one more thing. Are there any Rams that you particularly like outside of the earlier draft? I'm, I'm speaking largely about Higby, and I'm curious your thoughts on Skoranik. So I'm going to go off script a little bit.
2: Yeah, sure. Uh, so it's weird. You know, with, with the game this week against San Francisco, I mean, it's it's going to be a, a slugfest as you know, to and I do think that a guy like Skronik is going to get points because I do think the cup is going to be double covered. They might play, you know, man, I'm, I'm not sure how they're going to do it, but they're going to try to shut him down. You know, Allen Robinson, this could be one of those games again, you know, every other one, every two, three, he, he shows up and then he, you don't see him anymore. But I, I think Skronik would be a, a very sneaky play this week. Um, as far as the, the 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 running game goes, you know, this week's going to be tough. San Francisco's really, really good against the rush. and. Try to establish it, but I think they'll struggle. I think San Francisco wants to make Stafford beat them.
1: Yeah, and I I really like. I think Higby could add a little bit to that. Bucky and I talked about how he was moving early. We we didn't like the fact he dropped so many balls, but we liked the fact that game Um, against the Bills he struggled. struggled. He really struggled. The FFPC Super Bracket is something that I haven't played in for years, and um, I could see how if you're having success in it. That it would be it would be very enjoyable to get up for those head-to-head contests, which I believe it has a head-to-head element to decide it's champion. How close did you get? What could you have done differently that would have awarded you that championship? And are you still, after being bitten by the bug of the contest, are you
2: still a yearly player in it? I I think this might be the best contest that I play in. I mean I love the main event. I've done the bare knuckles. I love a lot of the FFPC contests. They're just great. Uh, victory points, you name it. I play them all. But this is my favorite. Uh, the the reason why I did so well that year is because it was the first year I'd done it, actually. It's because the, the the decisions for me on certain players, not your top level players, but, you know, round six and below, was I looked at their strength of schedule from weeks 13 to 17 because I needed to know the guys that were going to have easy matchups. Because the thing about the super bracket is, you know, I had like Gurley and Brady. I had all these great guys that got me to that final super bracket tourney, right? Top 32 make it. I was like the sixth seed overall. So I've got all these great players, right? Well, the first guy I play in the first week of the bracket has Gurley, has Brady, has yeah. all the I do. So basically, it came down to four guys that I had that he didn't, and vice versa. So to look at the 10, 11 player field, it's just four guys. And so um, what got that got, got me to the final was having some players that had very uh, uh, strength of schedule was a lot easier for them at the end. Yeah. Okay. Not to the final uh, against the fantasy assassins, Brad Cruz. So no, well, you, you might as well yeah. not even turn your team. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. It came down to, yeah, it came down to meet being down by about uh, 18, 20 points with Zach Ertz going when he played with the Eagles uh, going against the Raiders on a Monday night. And he just put up a goose egg and to watch that slow death for three quarters, still haunts me today. I, I really had a chance, and it just didn't happen. But it was a really good take home and pay. It was totally worth it. Uh, and yes, I still do it now. Three and O in the bracket tourney in this in this uh, league. So hoping to make another return again. So I, I encourage anybody who wants to uh, to do the bracket to do it. It's so much fun. Uh, a lot of skill, and it's got a it, it's got a really cool thing at the end, just like March Madness. It's it's awesome. Do
1: you feel you have a score to settle with Cruz?
2: Oh, absolutely. Well, and by know, the I way, will
1: point yes. out that he's a regular player in Kentucky, and we, we can get you able here. So that's.
2: Oh, I, I, I'm in. I play. You'll see me. I'm in Kentucky as well. I've been playing for a couple of years, and I will definitely try to uh, come go. to the main event. But, yes, yeah, I we'll – we'll, we'll get you a seat next to Mr. Cruz, and you can make amends for – I would love that. Uh, I had him in an FFWC draft a couple of weeks ago in Vegas, and I just played him last week and beat him. It doesn't quite make up for what he did to me, yeah. but I'm getting there.
0: Um, yeah, it's all it's I mean, that's fantastic fantastic story. It's weird because you know, we ask you, why do you love the super bracket so much? And you tell us this story of how it was such a painful loss for you. It was almost like the super bracket bug, it bit you, and and then you're like, Oh, this is kind of great. And then it's it stunk those teeth and that finger even deeper into you with this painful loss. And this the deeper it went, you're like, God, this is a great tournament. I gotta play this more and more, which is wild. But it's true, and the sick part is I totally get it. So yeah. that is good stuff there uh, from you, Greg Link, the uh, 2017 runner-up in the FFPC Super Bracket Tournament. A couple of emails from you uh, for you tonight that I want to get to. Hank in Waltonville, Illinois. Hey, Greg, who should I roll with in my FPC lineup this week? Tom Brady at home against the Chiefs or Russell Wilson at Las Vegas. Good luck in week four, man. That is Hank in Waltonville, Illinois. Hank, Hank, thank you so much for uh, listening and writing in. The Dizzle posted somewhere in the YouTube chat right now. He thinks that Raiders-Broncos game is going to be a shootout. He thinks Russell Wilson breaks out this week. How do you see it? If you had these choices, Brady or Russell Wilson this week, Greg, which one are you starting?
2: Well, I do actually in a couple of leagues. So I'm, I'm debating on this. Russ, the last drive of that game, Russ looked like his, his old self. And it, it's starting to make me think that maybe they're just needed a couple of weeks to come around and try to overcome how bad of a coach hack it is. But uh, I do think that Brady, I think he's going to have this week. He's getting his receivers back. They're getting healthy. I think Tampa's got something to prove. So I would lean mm-hmm. Brady this week. I think Brady's got a better chance to, uh, to, to have a, a higher upside game. I would wait on Russ. I think he's getting there, but he's not quite there. Brady, as we know, he he gets angry. And I think right now he knows this team is underperforming, and he's underperforming. Uh, he's finally going to get the pieces back this week. So I look for that game to be a little bit more of a shootout. We, we know Evans is back.
0: Um, we think Jones and Godwin could be back this week, too, really? if that's the case, open season. For the Buccaneers, both those guys, I think uh, Bull said both those guys, Jones and Godwin, will be game time decisions this week. Um, Keith in Boston, let's go to him here. What's up, Greg? I'm starting to regret drafting Brandon Cooks. The targets are there, but the catches don't seem to be. I've started them every week, but now I'm not so sure. What do you think about Cooks going forward? Thank you, Keith in Boston, for that email regarding Brandon Cooks you know, Cooks is a guy I feel like I missed out on in a few leagues. He's a guy I like every single year, and I try to get him in a lot of spots. Uh, didn't work out this year. Only got him in a couple. But he gets the Chargers this week at home. What's your outlook not only for this week, Greg, on Brandon Cooks, but is he likely to turn things around in Houston?
2: Yeah, I don't think it's Cooks. It's the problem. It's Davisman. He just yeah. hasn't made the jump that the way they thought he was going to. He looked a lot better last year than this year. Um, so for me, I, I, did grab a lot of shares of cooks because again, you can get him a little bit cheaper. Uh, he's get the, he gets the targets, you know, sometimes they're, they're losing and they got to throw to get back in the game. So I think it's just a little bit of a bad form right now, but I would stick with cooks. He's going to get there. This Chargers defense is a little banged up. Houston's a little bit better of a team than most people give them credit for. They're starting to get more of a balanced offense and they need that. They've got a running game now. I think with Pierce, it's going to come, you know, it's going to, it's going to help them down the road. So I would, Deal with the bumps and bruises, but I would stick with cooks.
0: Um, I do want to, before Farrell asks you uh, our final question, we had a couple of, of questions in the um, the YouTube chat tonight that I do want to get to, and and the first one we will go to is our Ivy re- resident Ivy League professor Hudson Kern Reeve. He has a question about uh, James Cook. Now, Greg, do you play any Dynasty at all? I, I forget. I do. I okay, do. Perfect. This is a good question for you then. Um, now, last week, Zach Moss four carries, forty-six yards. Uh, James Cook just one for three. However, uh, James Cook did get uh, catch four balls for thirty-seven yards. Zach Moss only caught one for six. And Hudson wants to know: Is James Cook a buy low in dynasty as a potential and a potential future flex in redraft leagues? He thinks after last week, he may have uh, replaced or uh, displaced, as he put it. I can't talk Ivy League. Zach Moss. Uh, so, so he thinks he thinks there's a uh, real possibility that that's happened. Would you be going after James Cook as a buy low right now?
2: Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, he had a lot of buzz coming in. He struggled in that first game. He he didn't play particularly well. A little bit of nerves, but you can see him start to get his footing over time. And I think that this would be, or in and around now, would be the time to buy to. to, to, to Ask an owner, see if you see what see what they're asking for. I think right now you could probably get him fairly cheap. And I totally would do that for Dynasty. Uh and in redraft leagues, I think next year, you know, in August timeframe, uh, I, I see Cook, you know, being one of those, uh, one of those uh, you know, as we see with uh, DeAndre Swift, you know, one of those sleeper running backs that's gonna come out of nowhere that you can get him late, seventh round, eighth round, and he can be a, a, a league-winning running back for you.
0: Um, the other question we have is from Matthew Bingham. He wants to know what are your expectations for Gainwell this week and perhaps beyond now that Boston Scott is out with a rib injury? That is official. Scott will not be playing this week. He wants to know if Gainwell is startable this week in what looks like a potential bad weather game. Remember, the um, beg your pardon, the uh, Eagles are playing at home against the Jacksonville Jaguars. I like Miles Sanders this week, Greg. I'm not sure I could um not sure i could
2: give my John Hancock on uh starting Kenneth gainwell this week though i mean again it'd have to be a a, a deep a deep league or a or flex position if you have a lot of injuries but I think gainwell is again one of those running backs that you know if you can roster him you should because as we know Sanders can be you know he's a little iffy uh not only with his consistency but also with injuries and gainwell has proven that on any given week you know he can be a good running back to have so no, I don't think I could I could do it this week, even though the Jags would be a good defense to do that against. But they're getting better. Uh, and also, it doesn't help that you're running. Uh, excuse me. Your quarterback tends to like to run first before handing the ball off to you. So I think if you had more of a pocket passer back there stuck in stone that hands the ball off, I would feel better about well, But not when the first thing Jalen does is look down the field and then decides nah, and then keeps it and, you know, rushes for 50, 80, 100 yards a game.
0: And he's successful at it. There is nothing wrong, especially if you own him, in run first, Jalen Hurst. Final question goes from Farrell Elliott tonight. Oh,
1: buddy, I, you know, we talked about a lot of players. I, I'd i like you to give me two, one that you must start. Not a Not a, you know, I'm talking about a flex or a number two running back or maybe something with this injury situation that you see a player busting towards daylight. And then I want you to give me a guy – that you will not touch, that you will not have in your lineup, and it can't be anyone that we've already talked about. Sure.
2: So I think I've got a couple of sleepers this week, but the one that needs to be in that top RB spot for me is Jamal Williams. Okay. I think Jamal Williams, the Seahawk defense is a sieve. Mm-hmm. Given up over 100 yards every single week to whomever running back that may be. And so I think this is his, this is his time. Uh, so Williams, for me, is that you've got to get him in. And what is the Swift situation right now, guys? He's out, uh, Swift he's is out, he's out this week. It's just more a question of they're a week six by. So you got to think the Lions are going to be careful with this, and they probably will keep him out in week five. So I think Jamal Williams has got at least two weeks to prove himself.
0: I'm to love that. Greg, I'm going I'm to piggyback on that comment about Jamal Williams here. Um, bear in mind that Amon Ross St. Brown is also officially out this week for the Lions. And Jamal Williams is a talented pass catcher. We could be talking about a big-time week for that Detroit running back, both rushing and passing. So I love that call. Give us a player that, that you're not too sure about starting this week.
2: So for to me, uh, I, I'd have to go with Tara McLaurin. Uh, in Washington right now, I just think it's a mess. They're playing Cowboys in Dallas. I think Dallas is going to be psyched for that game. And McLaurin, the targets are not there. Wentz's play is sporadic. You know, if you've got someone like Terry McLaurin thinking he's a must start, you know, I, 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 I just can't see a way that he even reaches 50 yards this week.
0: You know, what's wild is um, I've actually had a few questions uh, posed to me this week in some of the other shows that, that I've done about McLaurin. And I'm I'm sitting and I'm looking at I'm looking at that game, I'm looking at some of the other players. Uh that these that these teams have as options. And more often than not, I was saying, yeah, maybe this is the week to sit Terry McLaurin. I'm not too sure, about. remember Wentz loves to throw the ball downhill and he's got Jahan Dotson, uh, who can obviously do that. Curtis Samuel has come out of nowhere. And I don't necessarily know if if Samuel and um, McLaurin are duplication of, of skill type players, but Samuel's definitely taking away targets from him. That's inarguable uh this year. Uh, so I think that there is merit in into sitting. Uh, Terry McLaurin this week. And by the way, there's also a lot of merit in listening to everything Greg Link said on the show tonight. The 2017 runner-up in the Super Bracket Tournament for the FFPC and the Week 2 third-place team owner in the FFPC main event as he chases a million-dollar grand prize. Greg, so informative, so entertaining, just so much fun uh, that we had uh, to to get you on tonight. and, And I wish you nothing but the best. In all your leagues this year and, and going forward. Thanks so much for coming on, man. Uh, Farrell, really I and the viewers really appreciate it.
2: Fantastic, oh, thanks so much, guys. And Farrell, like I said, next year I'll be I'll be there. Maybe yeah, we'll, we'll have you at the Super
0: Bowl party. You can get an early start. There you go. We'll Absolutely,
2: <laughs> that sounds great. Have a great night, guys.
0: Thank you so much. Greg Link, ladies and gentlemen, the week two leader, I uh, beg pardon, the week two uh, third place team in the FFPC main event, a guy, the Legion of Doom. You've, you've seen his team on the, um, uh, on the leaderboards and in your draft rooms as well, uh, doing a lot of damage in the FFPC. Glad we could pick his brain for a little bit tonight. One thing I should have asked him, Farrell, be, before um, we signed off with him, uh, and I did want to talk to with you about this uh, as well, is a guy uh, named Pat Fryermuth, a sophomore tight end. Mm-hmm. In Pittsburgh this past week, he basically does nothing on Thursday night football against the Cleveland Browns till late when Pittsburgh's driving. He catches, I believe it was back to back plays, uh, two catches for 41 yards. Um, And and with Mitchell Trubisky at quarterback, I guess you have to wonder if if you can count on Pat Friermuth uh, production from a week to week standpoint. But I guess, you know, when, when you consider the state of tight ends that aren't the top four or five or maybe even six, maybe Friermuth just falls into that. Um, he's got a good matchup in the in, in the Jets this week, but what 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 is your takeaway so far with the Mitchell Trubisky experiment as it pertains to Pat Fryer mode? Old Scout once
1: told me, "Bulky, it ain't the Willie and Joes, it's the
0: X's and O's, and that's the
1: problem here." Just, as long as this offensive coordinator, Matt Canada, is stubbornly going to ignore the middle of the field and the crossing routes for all his talented receivers. We're going to have problems. Deontay Johnson is scoring well for fantasy purposes in this offense, but he has to do it making acrobatic catches. Everything is uh, uh, in, in this offense goes up against the sidelines. He's asking the receivers to win uh, physical high-point balls. Now, we thought this was an aspect that Ben Roethlisberger was limited, and that's what they had to do last year, but they're doing the same offense again. It doesn't matter to get in the rookie quarterback because you can't be successful with this offense unless you utilize the middle of the field. Friar Muthu, I have almost everywhere, will be on my bench, and I'm so thankful that this that we're not uh, scattered with bye weeks because I'm always heavy at tight end in the FFPC, and I can afford to sit him for people that made him the number one tight end, and have other tight ends that have yet to apparently get off the bus. Uh, you've got a problem with Friar Ruth, and you just got to play him and hope that something may happen. And he gets most of his catches when Trudrisky is successfully scrambling and trying to lengthen the play.
0: But, uh, you know, you bring up Matt Canada. I I, I don't know if everybody realizes this, but. Uh, about 10 years ago, about a decade ago, Matt Canada was the offensive coordinator for a college football team named the Wisconsin Badgers. And if you're not familiar with the Wisconsin Badgers, um, their offensive attack is, hey, instead of running the ball, let's play uh, this play. Let's run the ball this play. And <laughs> When they get sick of running the football, they start running the football as an alternative to running the football. They don't do anything else. So, when In addition
1: does- to Mr. Fryermuth being on my bench, I must also say, that uh, Claypool will be benched everywhere.
0: Ah, okay. That's interesting, too. We're going to get into that in a second. But I will say this about Matt Canada. When he got hired as a quarterback's coach for Pittsburgh, I'm like, that that can't be the same Matt Canada that was running the Wisconsin Badgers. <laughs> off. And then a year later, boom, he's the offensive coordinator there. And,
1: yeah, yeah. And uh, he's and, with a loyal team. He's with a loyal team, loyal ownership that doesn't make coaching changes. To me, there needs to be some reassignment. And, and I don't know when the bye week is in Pittsburgh, but something's got to change. It's got to change quickly. Yeah, I think
0: – I I wanted to say it was coming up uh, pretty quick um, for, for that. And I, I was actually surprised. You know, we're hearing the um, the whispers of, of Kenny Pickett already um, taking over uh, for Mitchell Trubisky. I thought he'd last longer than that. I was wrong. It's not till week nine for the Ish. Pittsburgh Steelers. So maybe week 10 we see Kenny Pickett. Maybe it's before that. I don't know. Uh, we shall see. All right, let's get to some emails here tonight. We'll go rapid fire on these. I don't know if we'll get through all of them, but we'll see what we can do. Uh, Kurt in, yeah, Kurt in Dallas. I can't believe it's come to this in week four, but am I wrong to bench Darnell Mooney against the giants in favor of Matt Collins at home <laughs> against the Broncos? Thanks y'all. That's Kurt in Dallas. Darnell Mooney, the guy that was flying up draft boards. We're into week four and Kurt in Dallas already wants to bench him for Matt Collins. And I'm assuming Hunter Renfro. I don't know if he's been um, declared out yet, but I'm sure he will be. But Matt Collins, man, He's the new Devontae Adams in Las Vegas, apparently. Would you- you
1: should, you? you should have never drafted Mooney to begin with. We had that conversation. Wake up, Dave Turp. See how he's defending his Mooney selections now. But, um, okay, Mac Hollins, uh, someone, you know, a player that I absolutely love in the KFFSC says, Mac Hollins, Pharaoh, uh, what about if Renfro comes back? Renfro, it doesn't matter. Uh, Yeah. Adams was on the field for 70 offensive plays. It was all of the offensive plays at Tennessee last week. Hollins was on the field for 68. Foster Moreau is missing in this game. And we're in a situation where um, we're, we're in a situation where Keelan Cole stepped in and contributed as the slot receiver. And Waller will do some of that, but Waller will mostly spend his time at tight end. In other words, uh, Renfro's return has nothing to do about Hollins' frequency on the field, and that six-foot-five body is getting open and making contested catches on a defense that it, it moves everything, uh, shifts everything, rolls everything to Adam's side. It's Mac Hollins uh, has finally, uh, in his career, uh, brought his talent to collide with the opportunity. I'm happy for him. I'm happy that I got him on every. FFPC team that I have. And a couple of them, I didn't get him on just because I forgot to put him on there. I went back and he was still there and still available. And I don't, under, I don't really understand it. Um, but nevertheless, I'm, I'm glad people uh, are sleeping on Mac Collins. If you have him on your roster, get him in your lineup.
0: Um, Sam in City of Commerce, California, I believe has a, a quick email for us. I think this is an easy answer based on what you just told me. My heart is telling me no, but my brain is telling me yes. Greg Dortch at Carolina over Chase Claypool in Pittsburgh against the Jets, right? Thank you, Sam, in City Commerce, California. Yes, you are right. I would be playing Dortch over Claypool, right, Farrell?
1: Oh, man. I. You know, you brought up Dortch uh, two weeks ago, I believe, and I made the terrible scouting mistake. And I get this when I have to deal with scouts in conversations and I talk to them and they want to tell me who they think the player is, and that's the mistake I made with Dortz. He's still five foot seven, but he's a different player than he was when he came out of school at 175 pounds. And athletic, um, always has been able to have have a vertical. He he looks like he, he grew into the physicality of his body and he was a sophomore redshirt, when he came out of Wake Forest, making him eligible for the draft before he was 21 years old. So that's why I was wrong. And I apologize to everybody for being wrong because I was talking about the player I thought he was before I researched the player he actually is. And uh, he's a very good player in this offense. He's playing better than a lot of guys with a bigger resume. Greg Dort should be in your lineups until he proves he can't. Don't be talking bad about Claypool, anyone out there. Claypool will uh, someday return to uh, being the type of receiver that we can rely on in fantasy football. When the coach wakes up, the coach may be getting a wake-up call.
0: Well, you, you, you mentioned that, and Matthew Bingham, as I, as I just read now, uh, Claypool from Canada wants to wear the Canadian flag in his helmet and the guy calling his plays, Matt Canada, something to keep in mind. Russ Cole always says, time is a flat circle. That is the <laughs> definition of that right there. Love um, you, Matthew. All right. All right. So, so here's the other thing I'll say about Greg Dortch. Go, down, I'll go back and watch the high stakes uh, lowdown from yesterday with Frank LaPrade, who basically his whole family has gone to Wake Forest. He's a huge Wake Forest fan. Watch Greg Dortch uh, play a ton at Wake Forest. Had a lot of interesting uh, stuff to say. About Greg Dorch on that, but well, don't suppose, tease us.
1: What did he say? Give us a couple seconds. Spoil, I'm
0: not going to break it all down, but spoiler alert: it was a ton of positive stuff about why this well, guy is. Yeah. Great, I want great,
1: to know great. where I want to know where he was when the Jets were cutting him, and Carolina was cutting him, and everyone everyone was cutting this player. That's what I want to know about what he, what was he saying back then?
0: Yeah, That's I think he was uh, watching the Wake Forest basketball team back. then. There you
1: go. Well, the Demon that, Deacons are the Demon an Deacons. engaging squad in basketball.
0: Um, yeah, the, the school of Chris Paul, Randolph Childress, and other, yeah. Tim Duncan uh, as well. Uh, Tom in Yonkers, New York. What's up, guys? There are two receivers on the field for Denver, right? Because all I see is Cortland Sutton catching all these passes, while Jerry Judy gets ignored. Is Judy a bench until he breaks out? Please help. That is Tom in Yonkers, New York. I'm cheating a little bit when I say this because I did bench Jerry Judy in a couple of spots last week just because I wasn't 100% convinced he was going to play, and it was a Sunday night game. So I found somebody else to start then. It wasn't just a pure talent thing. But, yeah, I'm concerned. I purposely drafted Sutton in a lot of spots. I only have Judy in a few, and that was because all the reports in in, uh, training camp, and I feel like Farrell, we told everybody on this show, that Sutton's going to be the guy getting all the targets this year. And Judy probably was going to be left out in the cold. And that is what we are seeing right now.
1: And it's, I thought it would be because of the emergence of one of the slot receivers. And last week I talked about Hamler and I was obviously wrong. There's not enough action moving around in this offense to get the ball to anyone other than Sutton and the reliance on the two running backs. And I I love the fact that Gordon has reestablished his 29 year old running back career, but you know, um, uh, was it the Dizzle earlier that said that this was going to be a blowout? and Shootout. And, out, shootout. And a shootout. Shootout. So when you have a shootout, you're expecting more players to step up, and I don't expect that to come from the tight end position at Denver. So I do think that Judy may have that opportunity. You know, when you look at what happens when you get in the red zone, that's where Denver is struggling. When you get in the red zone, teams in the red zone against the Raiders, the Raiders just roll out the red carpet for them. Ten red zone appearances, eight touchdowns against the Raiders. You know, it, it, I doubt if Sutton can get all of them. So, uh, But you may have better choices uh, on your bench since we don't have bye weeks, and unless you drafted Keenan Allen and Mooney and Claypool and guys like that. So, yeah, why not play Judy against the Raiders?
0: Uh, Farrell oh, came oh. into the 2021 season a fresh-faced Dynasty rookie. He is now unequivocally one of the Dynasty uh, foremost opinions out there uh unequivocally this is inarguable Farrell. uh we have a dynasty question here okay you. mark and roanoke rapids north carolina hey Balky and Farrell, i've been looking for a way to get out of business with derrick henry did my window open to trade him in my dynasty league after week three that is mark in roanoke rapids north carolina can't remember it was this show i said it but i said if you are looking to trade derrick henry do not trade him after week one do not trade him after week two you're getting nothing on him you really want to be out on him this year take 70, 80 cents on the dollar right now and trade them. I'm not sure I would be doing that. But as far as dynasty goes, you get a really good deal. Yeah, this is a perfect time to trade them.
1: Yeah, Mark, if you don't want to win this year, you move this player off your team. That would be my, if you want to win yeah. in another year, this is the kind of player you want to trade. But if you want to win this year, you probably ought to hang on to Derek Henry.
0: Uh, I, I totally agree. Um, and and uh, it, it all depends. And Here's the other thing I'll just point out with Derek Henry. You can, you can have no opinion on a player or maybe like a player. Like, let's say you like Derrick Henry or whatever. There is something to be said for, okay, I like Derrick Henry, but I love my fantasy team. Maybe now is the time to upgrade my team for the future by trading Derrick Henry, even though I like him. And maybe there is somebody out there in, the, in your league that likes him more than you do. You never know. And, and even though you like a player, that's not to say that you can't trade him Get back what you think is a better return for him and go for it. Now, to Farrell's point, maybe if, if you're trying to win a dynasty this year, trading Derrick Henry is not exactly plan A. But I will say that if you do do this right now, it might set you up for future success uh, in years to come. Even if I traded ready.
1: Darnell Mooney this week, got what? Joshua, what did you get
0: for What did you get for Joshua Palmer? What do you think about that? I, think, that, I, I think, I think, listen, there is. Um, uh, a reasonable um, chance that yes. even though Palmer is the number three receiver in Los Angeles this year, and Mooney is the number one receiver in Chicago that Palmer outscores him this year. Um, I don't know what they're doing in Chicago, but they certainly can't do it with Justin Fields and it's not going to help Mooney.
1: I traded for James Robinson this week. Wait, well, okay. Last would, week. You give up? would you give up? I don't remember. And I didn't care. I just, I just, whatever he wanted. I know.
0: drafted those two guys. I don't yeah. remember. It was a third round pick for me a couple years ago. <laughs> I, I truly care. don't I remember. I was wire. willing to move James Robinson, and I was the happiest man in town. Good for you. Good for you. Final question. I know we're going a little overtime, but I want to get all. Let's these go in. overtime. Ken in Troy, Michigan. With how good Justice Hill looked this week, do you guys think this is a nasty split between him and J.K. Dobbins in the backfield? Oh. Not to mention. It's going to get more muddled when Gus Edwards comes back, right? I love your podcast. We love you. Ken in Troy, Michigan, thank you so much for listening and for writing. And a um, couple of things to mention. John Harbaugh. Uh, two things that John Harbaugh said when referring to the play of Justice Hill. He said uh, ran like a star uh, running back, and he also said had the look of a bell cow running back. Paraphrasing a little mm-hmm. bit, but star and bell cow were both used to describe Justice Hill by John Harbaugh. Farrell, what do you make about this Ravens running back situation right now? I saw Andrew Geller on, on Twitter saying, you know, everybody is paying up for Justice Hill. I'm getting the cheap shares of, of Gus Edwards. I was one of those guys that paid up for Justice. Not that I paid up for him, but I got him in a bunch of leagues this week. I feel like I didn't overspend for him. But I look at Justice Hill, um, potential guy that that can run this backfield um, and, mm-hmm. and be, you know, not the bell cow, but a guy getting the lion's share of the touches if Dobbins were to go down. That's a guy you got to be rostered in, in, in all your leagues.
1: No, I just don't think you roster any of these Baltimore running backs. No. I, I just really, it, you know, the guy that does it all is at the quarterback position there, and he's going, he's got his tight end, and he now has a receiver, a receiver that we told everyone to draft in the last couple of rounds, Baldy Duvernay. Um, yeah. A situation, uh, and I, I know within the organization, they're very excited about Edwards returning, and Coach Harbaugh says things and forgets them as soon as he says them. Because you know what? His football seasons are a week long, and maybe they should be. But in Baltimore, uh, you know, the former coach, Billick, wrote a book. It's titled Next Man Up, and in Baltimore, they're still reading from it because it doesn't really matter who's at that running back position. It's a hot hand situation. It's a healthy hand situation, and I'm just so glad that I'm not involved.
0: Uh, I was so glad I was involved in this podcast with you tonight. I had a blast. Uh, once again, you brought the real. I learned so much, which is all I'm always trying to get better every single day. Mister a- Link
1: I- proved that those Rotoviz shows were just opening acts. With Mister Link, we have. You know we've got top billing with Mr. Link, and I don't. You know whoever Jamie Cox did a great. All the all the guests are doing a great job, and that's what we got going for us. All.
0: Yeah, there's there's a reason that this show was at ten o'clock tonight, and the RotoViz one was at uh, seven o'clock. I mean, it, it, it's mm-hmm. called mid card for reason. I'm just kidding. Yes, Caleb Alcorn and Sean Isaacs. That's where
1: going. the stuff's happening. Yeah, that's, exactly. That's stuff's going on over there.
0: Uh, Farrell, enjoy your weekend. Enjoy week four. Good luck on all your leagues. Let's do this again at 9 Central next it, Friday. Right. Thank
1: you, sir. See you then.
0: You bet, Farrell Elliott, ladies and gentlemen, the definitive commissioner of fantasy football. Check him out, KFFSC.com or at official OfficialKFFSC on Twitter. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank Greg Link. I want to thank Farrell Elliott, the FFPC, Rob Bryson, of course, each and every one of you. Next Friday, we're back at a 10-9 Central Football Guys Players Championship. Week three, second place team owner Dan Fisher uh, will join the program. We'll get you set for week five, talk about what happened in week four. And uh, we might get into some hijinks because let's face it, we get into hijinks every week on this show. If you missed it this week, a bonus uh, two-episode edition of the Rotovis High Stakes Lowdown, go back uh, youtube.com slash fantasy. The Frank LaPrade episode is up there from yesterday, and the Caleb Alcorn and Sean Isaacs uh, edition is there from tonight as well. The next High Stakes Lowdown will not air on Tuesday night at 10 as is the norm. It's going to air Thursday night before the uh, Broncos-Colts game. It's going to feature uh, the uh, Week 3 FF, uh, Beg Your Pardon, Football Guys 15 15- place team owner, uh, Austin Martin, who plays a ton of high stakes fantasy football. He's going to be on at seven, six central on Thursday with yours truly on the road of his high stakes slowdown. Don't forget the high stakes fantasy football show on the better sports network will go live at 9 central on Wednesday. Of course, you can watch it on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. It is always so much better to download the better sports network app in the uh, Google play store, as well as the app store uh, for iOS as well. Uh, play the FFPC weekly challenge. You want to get some action and there's no better way to do it. No draft, no salary cap. Choose 10 players if you're playing the slim format. Choose 12 players if you're playing the classic format with kickers and defenses. 35 bucks to enter or 200 bucks to enter. And remember, you can play the 30-team league. You can play the 150-team league. But uh, you can also play the 10-team league where the winner takes uh, – a, it's a winner-take-all format, and the winner is getting a 2023 FFPC main event entry where you can play for a million bucks next year as well. Uh, watch uh, the Frank LaPrade and Caleb Alcorn and Sean Isaacs uh biz podcast Uh, which you can find youtube.com slash ffpc fantasy remember to like them remember to subscribe to the youtube channel remember to comment and remember to share and get notified the more you do that the better guests we get the more content we can provide for you and i think that is a as michael scott would say a win 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 situation thank you so much for watching everybody your weekend officially starts now Uh, I I don't think I told this story on the show this week. I'll just be real brief. We've been cat sitting for the last couple of months for one of my wife's friends, cats. And somehow when I took the kids to the park last night, the cat got loose. We couldn't find it. when we got home and we went outside to look for it after about a half hour of looking inside. um, We saw the cat prancing down the neighbor's driveway, got it back in. Thank God we did not lose the cat. We were in charge of watching uh, over the past, you know, whatever it's been, you know, 60 days or whatever. And uh, in in uh, my wife's Infinite Genius, tomorrow, Saturday, I will be spending the day heading over to Reidsville, which is more than a hop, skip, and a jump away from glorious Appleton, Wisconsin, to pick up two new kittens for my son and daughter. The Balkman household is about to get interesting. Thanks for watching, everybody. We'll be back on this show at 10, 9 Central on Friday with Dan Fisher. We'll be back on this channel at 7, 6 Central on Thursday with austin martin and don't forget the high stakes fantasy football show wednesday on the better sports network app at 10 9 central have a great weekend everybody